Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Thank you for joining us today. We are speaking today um, from my home in the southern Hebron Hills in Susia. And I have a wonderful guest today. He is um, the founder of an organization called Olim Advisors. Now, you know, I heard about this guy and this this organization totally by, by chance. Uh, someone reached out to me, making Aliyah, was asking me some questions. And they actually sent me a webinar. I asked them, why are you asking me all these questions? Isn't Nefesh Benefesh helping you with this information? It was questions about medical care and where to live. And all these basic Olim questions that people have and people handle. Um, this person told me they had listened to a webinar with five or six different couples who had recently made Aliyah. And this group called Olim Advisors had hosted it. So she, she sent it to me and I listened to it myself. It was about an hour and 15 minutes long. And it was so organized and so well done. And it was like almost a panel discussion. Each couple had the same four questions to answer. Very routine questions. Uh, where do you live? Um, how did you choose your medical? I think, where did you come from? And all, and one of the questions was really funny. It was about the paperwork. Tell me about the paperwork. <laughs> so a lot of it was like before Aliyah. And it's just so funny because after you're here, none of that matters. You don't even remember it because really Aliyah is such a process and such a new life. Just the getting here, you don't really remember it. It's, it's true. It's just busyness, paperwork. Some people have it easier. Some people have it harder. It's very funny that that was actually a topic. Um, but I want to welcome you to the show. It's Rafi Shulman, I think is your name. And you, you run this organization with your sister, Laura Yitzchaki, I think. And um, really, it's, it's great what you're doing. And, and I have a lot of questions for you. We'll get to them. But why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us all a little bit about what you do, where you started from, and why you do what you do. Sure. Thanks so much, Natalie, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, let me kind of take a step back in time and just give you a little bit of a background as to um, who we are and why we're doing this. So my sister and I, as you mentioned, actually made Aliyah's kids um, from South Africa. And we just came from a very Zionistic family. We're huge fans of Israel. We're very passionate about it. And um, fast forward to 2016, I was working for a large uh, U.S. financial firm, and we both live in Hashmonaim, and uh, I want to leave that world behind, and I wanted to do something that really was more impactful, um, that helped people come to Israel. And so my sister and I sat down, and, and we spoke to Nefesh Benefesh. We met with uh, Rabbi Fass and the executives there, and we really uh, asked him two questions. First of all, um, do they feel that Olim need help? And they said, of course, you know, it's challenging for everybody, no matter where you're coming from, whether it's the U.S., Canada, U.K., or, or other countries around the world. And then we asked him, okay, well, what do you do? What don't you do? And they kind of guided us um, through uh, the services that they provide and the help that they provide and what they think Olim need. And so that was kind of the the birth of Olim Advisors back in 2016. And we had two goals in mind. The first goal was to encourage and help people to make Aliyah. So many people that we taught to, you know, have this dream of, of, of making Aliyah. And then they think about all the the decisions that they have to make and the challenges they have to go through. And a lot of people say, you know what, I'd love to, but I can't. And so we want to really encourage them and tell them, you know what, yes, you can. It's not going to be easy and there are going to be challenges, but with the right planning and the right support, you can absolutely come here. And not just can you come to Israel, but that you can lead a very successful and fulfilling life. So that was really 
our first um, goal was to help people make those pre-Aliyah decisions, like finding communities, finding schools if they if they're coming with kids, finding a home. You know, what should you ship? What you sh- what you shouldn't ship, and so on and so forth. And then the second part, and this is what you alluded to, is dealing with life in Israel. So anyone that's come to Israel who isn't fluent in Hebrew and doesn't understand the culture understands that it's a big it's a it's a big transition you know it's a very uh jarring experience and so we wanted to help people deal with that and so the first uh big challenge of course is dealing with bureaucracy dealing with you know the government and any, anyone who's gone to the DMV in the states can relate you know you go into government office and you know it, it's challenging and especially if it's in Hebrew and especially if it's uh, you know different customs and rules and regulations and so that's really the second part of what we do is that um we we help people deal with the bureaucracy we make appointments for them we go with them really make sure that all of that headache is taken care of uh, instead of a few months uh, within a few weeks and so once that's done then the olim can kind of take a deep breath and say okay the worst is behind now let's really focus on on acclimating and adjusting to life in israel and so that those are really the two goals that we set out to accomplish and then over the past couple of years We've actually also added to that because we realized that a lot of the challenges don't end when people get here. Um, for example, we help families with children who have special needs. And you know, maybe when they made Aliyah, they didn't have kids. But then a few years down the road, they have children who need special resources or support. And navigating that whole process is, is challenging. So we want to help you know, those families. Or we want to help um, all the people that are coming with medical conditions. And we want to be able to help them navigate through the healthcare um, system here. And last but not least, a lot of people... You know, want to buy a home in Israel, and the process of buying a home in Israel um, is is challenging. There's a lot of uh, people, you know, shady people who you you can't trust, and so we recognize that having a home in Israel is such an integral part of making aliyah. So now we're also helping people who want to buy a home to make sure that they're not taken advantage of. So all of this kind of fits underneath one, you know, kind of the passion that we have, which is to help people get here and to help them live a very happy and fulfilling life. And thank God we've helped hundreds of families make Aliyah and thousands of people um, over the years to really make the best of the situation. Okay. During that seminar I listened to, one of you, I don't know if it was you or if one of the speakers, I think it was one of the people you interviewed, made a very um, comment, a very good comment. And I, as, as you're talking, all I keep thinking is, Nefesh Benefesh. This is what Nefesh Benefesh is supposed to do. This is what Nefesh Benefesh is for. But they actually don't. It, it was very well put. One of the men said, um, Nefesh Benefesh gets you there, but you uh, take you there one step by step. Something like that. Um, I think that's the difference. You're actually holding the hand of the of the new couple and doing it with them. They even said it was fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of like a... So, so you're right. So Nefesh Benefesh and the Jewish Agency, in, in essence, work together hand in hand. And their primary responsibility is to help people go through the uh, application process. So Nefesh Benefesh is, is the gateway. And, and I'm referring you know, to North America. Um, if you want to make Aliyah, you have to go through Nefesh Benefesh. But what we realized, and this is also advice that we got from Rabbi Fass, who's the, the founder of the organization, is that some people need more help than that. And some people need the hand-holding. You know, the analogy that I use is similar to filing your taxes. 
Some people can file the taxes themselves, but most people go to an accountant because they're the experts. They've done it time and time, time and time again. And so that's really the role that we play is that we complement what Nefesh Benefesh does. And for people who need that extra hand-holding, that extra guidance, that extra support, that's where we come in. Okay. That's right. That's very good. Um, it, it, it's upsetting to me to hear this, that after people come here, they still need the help. I, I always think, um, maybe wrongly, you know, that when you come here, you should dig in and be, you know, acclimate to society and learn Hebrew and make friends and make connections so that you can do these things yourself. Um, what do you have to say about that? So it's a very good point, and we definitely believe in that. Um, you know, the idea is not to do these things for the Olim uh, forever so that they can't, um, you know, figure out how to do it themselves. What we actually do is we teach them and we empower them. So, for example, um, one of the challenging things for people is to go ahead and change all the utilities into their names, right? And so what we do when we do this for them, we create uh, kind of like a cheat sheet with their account number, all their information, and we teach them how to do it. So next time they need to change the the internet uh, account or if they need to apply for our non discount, they now have this information, they have this knowledge, and they can do it themselves. The same thing with making doctor appointments you know a lot of people don't know how to call up and you know Maccabi or call up uh, you know Khalid and so we will help them we'll teach them and then when it's time to do it again they can do it and I think that 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 uh, sense of empowerment is really a, a very important part of adjusting to life in Israel because they come from you know from from the states wherever where they're very competent and they can get things done and then they come here and suddenly they can't and so we want to help them get to the point where they can do it on themselves and you know that's really the goal right right now if they have children here or friends those children or their friends are, are doing what you're doing hopefully you know um, helping to, them, setting them up, right? To some extent, you know, everybody's busy. And so what we found, and a lot of our clients have family and friends here, but, you know, everyone's busy doing their own things. And so that's one thing is that a lot of the support that they need, uh, the friends and family don't have the time to provide them. And the other thing is things are constantly changing, whether it's bureaucracy or, you know, other things. And people need to be up to date. You know, the the, the worst thing to do is to get wrong information. And so that's really... The difference is that, you know, we have the information and we can we can make sure that they have accurate information as well. That's very, very good. That's, that's very true. It's overlooked. Um, even when you were asking these questions of these couples, I was thinking to myself, how do these guys know anything? They just got off the boat. Why are they all of a sudden experts? And uh, you made a very good point. Things do change here. Things do change, even for us. We've, we've been here, you know, practically 20 years. Even some of the Israelis give me uh, bad information. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. Um, right. It's a very fast society here. It's uh, something I you know you can either see that as a as a I guess as a plus or a minus, but things really do move quickly and they they change quickly and uh, people adapt and people learn quickly. They pick things up quickly, and if you are a slow learner, you'll come here and you'll become a fast learner. Um, and it, it, same with driving. You know, I was a very cautious, slow driver here. I'm sharp as anything. You know, I, I'm passing this. You know, I'm passing the trucks and all this. I'm amazing. You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a very sharp society. People are quick. They think quick. They talk fast. Um, and everything just moves, and it's great. All right, so we have. 
Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're continuing our talk today with Rafi Shulman of Olim Advisors. And we were just talking off the air. You know, it's it's hard to to stop talking to this guy. He's just like uh, so, so full of information. So um, we actually had some back and forth this past uh, week or two about what we were going to talk about. And we have a bunch of questions to attack. And let's get to it. Um, Rafi, let, let's talk about what you see happening in 2023. Sure. So I think there's a number of factors that are going to impact the number of people who are making Aliyah. And I'm talking primarily um, from North America and, and Western Europe. You know, the whole situation with Russia and Ukraine is kind of a one-off. So let's focus on kind of what we typically see. So if you look at um, if you look at the countries that I mentioned, there's uh, three factors that I think are going to impact it. The first is the rise in anti-Semitism. And, you know, that's unfortunately a global issue. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where you live these days. It's something that is impacting people on a on a regular basis and it's really getting people to to think more seriously about making aliyah or to make that decision to make aliyah and so i think that will continue in 2023 um the other thing um and this is more as a result of the kind of the work um the work environment during Corona is that a lot of people are working remotely. And so if you think about life before COVID, um, a lot of people did not make Aliyah because they didn't want to quit their careers and start from the beginning and start looking for jobs. And now that a lot of people are working remotely, it suddenly gives them the opportunity to move to Israel and keep their jobs. And so we're seeing that. And I think we'll see more of that where people say, you know what? The financial concern is is a big one, and if somebody can come to Israel, keep their uh, U.S. job, then they're going to be making a really good living in Israel, and you know, and, and can really benefit from that. So I think that will continue to drive more people to make Aliyah. And then the third, the third aspect, the third um, point is that if you go back a few years ago, if you look at people who are retiring, especially from the northeast and you know uh, from other cold states a lot of people were retiring to florida or they were retiring to arizona or california and what's happened now is that we're seeing a lot more people you know of that age bracket who are retiring to israel and that's happening really for a few reasons first of all because um many of many of uh, you know many of their kids and grandkids are living in Israel and so they're saying you know what instead of going to to Florida and not seeing my kids and grandkids let me retire to Israel the other thing is that healthcare here you know we saw this kind of front and center during covid health the healthcare system in Israel is so advanced and and the the coverage is so good that a lot of people say you know what i want to be in Israel and take advantage of that and so that's another thing as well and last but not least it's the weather you know if you're coming from the northeast or if you're coming from chicago you know to be able to live in Israel where you don't have to deal with the cold and, and you have beautiful weather for 10 months out of the year is really a big impact on people's lifestyle. And so we're seeing more and more people, you know, kind of in the 50 year old plus that are deciding to move to Israel. And I think that will continue throughout the year. Okay. Do you think that's a good thing to, to have that, that population moving as opposed to the young people? Yeah, I think it is because I think they can contribute to the society in different ways. So your point is a valid one. When you look at people who are coming in their 20s and 30s and 40s and they're still actively working, you know, they can contribute those in that way. The people who are coming here in their 50s and 60s and 70s can still contribute in other ways. They can volunteer. They can still work part-time. You know, Israel needs all the help that they can get. And so I find that a lot of people are coming here and saying, 
it's not that they want to retire and sit by the beach and that's all they want to do. They want to be active. They want to be involved. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities for people of the older age bracket to contribute to Israel and to help other Olim in a number of different ways. So I think it's very good that they're coming and I think they can just add to the mix. Oh, I like that. That's great. Um, and another thing that you mentioned, you know, you mentioned it, it seems so obvious to me. The first thing you said is they used to return, they used to retire to Florida. Now they're retiring to Israel. Well, they are still retiring to Florida, I hate to say. More of them are retiring to Florida than Israel. Um, but I guess the numbers at least have increased on our side. At least more are coming to Israel. But they're still going there in droves. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves. The, not everybody's afraid of this, of, of the anti-Semitism. Some people tell me it's it's all hype. Everything's fine. It's the news, the media hyping it up because they want to sell drama. Um, you know, Florida is packed. The real estate there, the, the and, and the, the pro-Israel atmosphere there, the Jewish, you know, atmosphere, the kosher restaurants. Why move to Israel when you can go to Florida? Right. So, so a couple of things. First of all, if you keep in mind the number of people that we're talking about. So in 2020, 2022, there was about 4,000 people who made Aliyah from the States, right? So if you talk about an extra, you know, 400 people, which is really not a lot, you're talking about an increase of 10% in Aliyah. So we're not talking suddenly about thousands upon thousands of people who I think will pick up. But I think that, you know, you're talking about a few hundred people and that I think, um, you know, we'll see. Now, making Aliyah is not for everybody, you know, and, and that's one of the questions that you asked me is what do people need to really think about when they make Aliyah? And especially when you look at um, the older population, but really for everyone, uh, the biggest thing is, is, you know, the financial part of it. Can they live in Israel financially? It doesn't make sense, in my opinion, to to make to 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 come to Israel and struggle financially. If you're comfortable in the states and suddenly you come here and now you're stressed out, that's something that you really need to think through. So I think the 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 beauty of Aliyah is that it's not for everyone, but for people that are making Aliyah for the right reasons, whether it's religious reasons, emotional reasons, is a connection to Israel, then I think we'll see those people, and I think we'll see more. And what's interesting is we're seeing a lot of people who are secular that are coming. They don't necessarily have that religious background, that, that religious connection, but there's something about Israel that they just connect to, something about the people that they connect to. And we're seeing more and more of those people who are coming here as well. I think a big connection uh, that should not be overlooked um, is that they come here if the children are here, even if one child is here. Mm-hmm. That is great. You know, when you're when you're living in Israel, um, and I'm even speaking for myself here. When when you're here, and when my parents are here, when my parents visit, um, everything here is easy. Everything's close. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to wait till the winter. You know, there are there is warm weather all year round in Elat. There are mountains and you know, Simarim and and beautiful places to go and beaches all year round. Um, there's really everything here, and and you just get in the car and go. Nothing's that far. And um, that for an American who, you know, going to Florida is is a plane plane ride for many people, Mm -hmm. Um, an expensive plane ride. And uh, they only go to escape the cold. It's it's not like that here. Here it's a lot easier. In that sense, it's an easier life and maybe even a more affordable life. Um, But uh, and don't don't forget that also Israel you know, it's kind of geared towards that population in terms of public transportation. So if you live in a city, it's very easy for you to hop on a bus or hop on a train and get around the country. If you're, you know, if you're living in Boca or Century Village in in Florida, 
you're not going to be able to do that. And I think that's what people are recognizing also. It's not just the weather. It's not just the family, but it's a lifestyle that they can get around. They can see. They can go to the beach. They can go to the city. They can walk, right? That's one of the, the beautiful things about Israel is that if you live in a, in, a, in a community, and we can talk about it in a moment about choosing the right community, if you move in the community, for example, Iria Mimi Natanya, right? It's an amazing, beautiful area. People that live there, it's like heaven for them because they go down the build, you know, they go to the, they go out of the building, and then there's coffee shops, and there's the beach, and there's you know hiking and all that, and it's all within a few minute walking from your building, and so that's really what's drawing people is that lifestyle. Yeah, you're I right. See that we you're got right. a three minute warning here just to give you yeah, a heads up. Yeah, but but yeah, I, I see. But okay. I was going to say, um, also you, you touched on something very interesting in in America where I'm from, I think it's like this also in Europe, um. People, the Jews who have, you know, lived there for a few generations have um, succeeded, you know, and, and everyone uses a car and they, they've become very independent. And, and you know, but, but actually having a car and, and maintaining a home, it, it is work. It really is work. As soon as you lose the car and a lot of older people stop driving anyway, okay, they get more nervous. They have had an accident or two. Their sight is getting bad. So they stop driving anyway. And they have this freedom of using the bus for the first time in their life they're using the bus now this but the buses here and we've discussed this many times go everywhere the buses go literally everywhere they go to every issue every hilltop they go everywhere and my children take them teachers take them it's not for you know poor people or or criminals normal people use the buses Mm -hmm. for sure for sure it's a big part of the lifestyle yeah Right. Um, you had asked about, um, you know, our experience of people going back to, back to the states, and I think that's a really important uh, point to to think about because um, we are, we only know of one or two couples that we've helped make Aliyah that have, you know, turned around and, and said this is not for us, and they've gone back, you know, and kind of moved away from Israel. Um, the statistics, you know, it really depends on which data you're looking at, but it's, you know, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10%, maybe higher um, of people who go back. And I think a lot of that, you know, really comes down to planning, you know, plan- making sure that you're choosing the right community, the right city. Um, and I think that's something, you know, we can talk about after the break, but I think that's a key to people's success and successful sure. aliyah is that pre-aliyah planning and making sure that they, um, you know, they come to an area that is, uh, gives them the support socially, uh, you know, medically. And, uh, you know, that's a key because it's not easy. And, you know, I'm the first one to admit it. Life in Israel can be challenging, but if you plan and if you, you know, and if you have that positive attitude, then you can definitely, uh, you know, make it succeed. So we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that uh, after the break and get into a little bit of the details. It's true. It's the planning and it is the, it's the planning, but it's also the post-Aliyah support because you can plan Perfectly. And, and plans don't always work. You've got to have support, dependable support, and the right attitude. It's, it's a combination. And it's very interesting that you told me that families are too busy and friends are too busy. You're probably right. And um, you, uh, you, you, you eliminate that need for them to be dependent on family. So we'll talk about that when we get back. Everyone, please stick around. We're going to be back right after this short break.
Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sikinski. We have uh, still a lot to talk about. Um, and uh, we're just going to jump right in here. We're still with Rafi Shulman from Olim Advisors. Those of you who have missed the beginning of this program, please go back. I urge you to listen to the whole thing. Um, there's going to be a lot more, but uh, I want to just throw this out there. When you have questions, and if you have questions that you think of during this show, please contact me at natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com because this is very good information. Um, I wanted to ask Rafi, what do you see over and over again, mistakes that people make? No, I think there's a few, and that's a great question. I think the first thing is that people really need to think about what kind of community they want to move to. And there's a lot of different types of communities from the Anglo bubbles like uh, Ramat Bechemish and Mudi'in and Ranana to cities that um, are much more have an Israeli feel to it. Uh, you know, Rishon Etzion, Rehovot, Beersheva. And, you know, we see people that are moving to all of those uh, cities. So you really need to think about what you, what's important to you. And what I tell people to do is kind of close your eyes and try and visualize what your life will be like. Um, does that mean that when you come out of your, you know, is it a house? Is it an apartment building? Do you see the sea? Is it an urban? And so that doing the research beforehand um, and finding the right community is going to be key. I think that's one of the biggest challenges, especially if people are doing that from from abroad, from a distance. That's number one. The second thing is language. And, you know, um, we can't stress enough how important it is to try and pick up at least a basic understanding um, and language beforehand. And there's so many ways to do it these days. You can go onto YouTube and you can go and watch, you know, Israeli shows and, and uh, songs and you can go onto uh, Israeli news sites and, and read that. So, um, you know, that's something having a basic uh, Hebrew level of Hebrew makes a world of difference um, right the other th- the other thing is to really leave your lifestyle behind and, and what do i mean by that is that you know everyone's accustomed to the lifestyle um and in israel that's most likely not going to exist and so whether it's a you know a big home or three cars or a house with a pool or you know you have to kind of leave that behind and you have to say to yourself I'm now living in Israel. I'm turning a page in my in my life. This is a new chapter. And so let me build a life in Israel and stop comparing it to your previous life. I think a lot of people who live in the past are just not going to be happy here. And so that's something that we really recommend to people is that, you know, focus on your life in Israel and, and try and, you know, not focus on, on the life that you came from. And another thing is that emotional and that um, kind of mental um, shift that you have to make, it's its going to be hard. And anyone that tells you that Aliyah is not hard, uh, he's not telling you the truth. It's going to be challenging. There'll be hard days. But if you can have a positive attitude and if you can recognize that it's just going to take time, you know, there's nothing that you can really do to short um, you know, to shortcut this. It's just going to take time. And if you have that positive attitude, then you'll be fine. If you can't get beyond that, and if you can't think about the long term, then it's going to be very tough. And so we always tell people, take a deep breath. You know, one of the words in Hebrew that you need to learn early on is you need to have patience. If you have patience, a positive attitude, then I think it will really help you um, deal with the emotional and with the psychological challenges that you uh, will deal with when you're in Israel. 
Okay, that's excellent advice, especially the third point when you said leave your old life behind. It is so true. You've got to you've got you've got to do that. And I mean, really, as soon as you get on the plane, that's why I was laughing. One of the questions you asked these six <laughs> couples in the webinar was about the paperwork. I mean, right. come on, it's it's just nothing. It's it's filling out an application. Do you remember, you know, filling out an application for college? Do you remember filling out applications for for anything? Your mortgage? I mean, of course not. Of course not. It's just the little business you've got to do to get there. Now, the getting there is 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 not the being there. And you had you had very good, very wise words. Leave your old life behind. Don't compare. It's true. Um, if you do that with anything in life, with anything in life. You will, it's not just you won't be happy. You will not make, you, you will not make progress. Right. And, and that's what, that's exactly. what life, a, a new life anywhere, I think is about making progress, especially in Israel. Israel is so small and so like this little tiny place where people say miracles happen. And, and they say that and they mean that. But mm -hmm. I, I always, I, I don't really know what they mean when they say miracles. What do you mean miracles? I think it's a miracle that, you know, all these rockets that got shot over here, Half of them land on empty fields and half of them blow up on the other side of the fence. Those are miracles. But right. I think what a lot of people think is they, they run into people and they experience um, events that are hard and really impossible to explain. Mm -hmm. and, and I always say, oh, it's just a coincidence. But it's really not true. Israel right. is very small. And um, you, you, you will see people from your past life. It will happen. Mm -hmm. It will happen in Yerushalayim walking down the street. It will happen in the super farm when you're getting a prescription. It will happen in a restaurant when you're in a, an area. You will see people from your past life because everybody comes to Israel at some point. Right, and right. Um, I hear this. Go ahead. And I think I think the last thing, and this ties into the question that you were talking about, um, is you can't be afraid to ask for help. And I think that's another mental switch that people have to uh, adjust to. And that means help oh, yeah. from, you know, from Nefesh Benefesh, help from your friends, help from, uh, you know, strangers, right? You, you're lost, so, you know, just ask people. And it also means turning to organizations like Olim Advisors for help. And the way that we've set out, and, and this is something that really uh, is important to us, is that the two ways that we help. Um, most of the people that we help, um, we just do it for free. We share information on social media, we write blogs, we talk to people, we do webinars that we talked about, and literally thousands and thousands of people see that because you know, sharing information is, is what people are looking for, and so we want to continue doing that. But at the same time, we also recognize that some people need more help than that, and that's why we put together a number of different packages, a number of different services to give that additional uh, support, to give that hand-holding, um, you know, we call it a, almost like a concierge service so people understand the level of service that we provide. And for the for, for people who need that extra help, we do charge for um, for our services, and it really depends on what the Ulim's needs are. And some people just need help with the bureaucracy, and that means that we you know get involved and support them for a couple of weeks. And then some people need help much more than that. And then we so we have some services where we will support people, you know, a year or even longer than that before they make Aliyah, and then we continue supporting them for a year beyond that. And so it really depends on the level of support that people need. And for that, we charge fees that range anywhere from $2,000 up to $15,000. And what's interesting is that 
our clients are telling us, you know, once they experience the, the, the services and once we help them, they're, t they're telling us that we're not charging enough. But when my sister and I started this, we really want to help as many people as possible and not have kind of the, the, the fees um, be an issue. And so that's why we really try to help um, anybody and everybody in, you know, different ways, whether it's free information or uh, much more personalized and hand-holding. You know, at the end of the day, we want to let people know that they can make Aliyah and, and encourage them. And if I can, Natalie, just uh, for another moment, share with you a, a very heartwarming story. Um, there were three families, three sisters from Chicago, who married sisters who were all living in Chicago, and they reached out to us a couple of years ago. And they said, look, you know, we'd love to make Aliyah. It's something we've been thinking about for a long time. But we decided either we'll all make Aliyah together, the three families, or none of us are going to make Aliyah. And they said the challenge was that one of the sisters um, had older kids, and they were concerned about bringing their kids to Israel. And so I said, look, I'd be happy to talk to the other sister and just, you know, think it through, talk it through, see if we can maybe give them some advice, some guidance. And so to cut a long story short, a couple of months later, they reached out to us. They were all excited. They've decided that the three families are all going to make Aliyah. Not only are the three sisters and the families making Aliyah, but the parents are going to come with them. And so now they're all living in Ramat Bechemish. There's actually another sister who is living there already. So you can picture it. There are four sisters that are living together within a, a few minute walk of each other. The parents are living there. And I can just think about what Shabbat must look like for them when they all get together. And yeah. we just played a small part in this, not that they made Aliyah because of us, but because we were, help the, we were able to help them kind of come up with that game plan, see, you know, how what they need to do. That just helped them come to that decision to say, you know what, let's do it. And that's really the bottom line. That's why we're doing it is that we want to encourage people. We want to help them get here and really, lead, you know, lead a very fulfilling and a very happy life. And, you know, thank God uh, we've been able to do that. Well, that's very good to hear. That that's great. I, I was I you know as you're talking, I, these questions pop into my head. I don't. I hope you don't mind. I just want to keep you a little longer. When you yeah. when you say things like um, you you do help people um, for a year before they come, what do you do? What do they need? Be what do people need before they come? Except I mean paperwork is all I guess, and maybe looking at different communities. What could they possibly need before they're here? Right. So that's a good question. I'll give you an example with the family that we helped make Aliyah from Atlanta. And so they have, uh, they were living in Atlanta, excuse me, seven kids, and um, they really wanted to come. And so the husband actually came on a pilot trip. And so the first thing is we helped them plan him. And they actually signed up probably two and a half years beforehand because they weren't quite ready and things happened. But, you know, we helped them plan the pilot trip. So we actually day by day scheduled uh, meetings at all the different schools, not just in uh, one community, but we identified three communities. In their case, it was Modi'in, Ramat Bechemish, and Chashmonaim that they were interested in. So the first thing that we did a few months before they made Aliyah was plan out this pilot trip so that the husband could come and meet the the different school administrators they can look around see um what what is available and so that's the that's the the probably the biggest decision that people make uh, a good few months beforehand is finding the community that that you know fits their their needs their profile and then what goes along with that is, is schools so you know these are decisions that you can just get here on august 20th and say okay i'm here you know i want to sign my kids up to school these are very important decisions that can make or break your aliyah so those things take time and the way that we've structured our services is that 
we're here to help people as soon as they're ready to start planning. It could be six months before, it could be a year before, it could be three years before. The more time you have, the more planning you can do, the more research you can do. And so those are the things that we really help people uh, plan beforehand so that it you know, becomes a lot less stressful for them as they you know, get to the Aliyah date. Do you ever see um, that even despite all the planning people do, that the decisions they made aren't good and they end up moving and fighting a different community. Do you see that at all? Absolutely. You know, I think, um, you know, there's a family I'm thinking of who moved to Netanya and they just weren't, they couldn't find the right schools for the kids. They tried different schools and at the end of the day, they realized that Netanya wasn't uh, the best choice for them. And so they ended up moving to Anana. And so I think we see that a lot. And that's why, we encourage people to not, <coughs> excuse me, to not buy a home before they make aliyah. Even though some people financially can do it, is to rent first and really spend a year, two years, because the city might be the right city, but maybe they want to move to a different neighborhood, or maybe it's a specific street within a neighborhood that they <coughs> they think that they would, um, you know, uh, fit in best. And so, really understanding and getting a good feel for that. Is, is so important. And so, yeah, you know, people do move and, and you know, that's fine. We tell them that it's not set in stone, you know, especially if you're, uh, you know, if, if you're an older couple and you don't have kids, then it's so much easier to move around. Or if you're coming and you have younger kids, then it's also easier. And if you're coming with kids who are, you know, in their elementary school or high school, it's still doable. You know, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. The important thing is that, you know, the parents, the kids have to be happy. And sometimes that means that they have to move to different area. And, and that's fine, too. Excellent. I, I couldn't agree more because I, I, I also tell people don't get all, wor- you know, planning your whole future before you're even here. Get here. I mean, Israelis also move around. Get oh. here. Rent a, rent a, rent a place and, and learn, you know, get your feet wet. Learn, get, learn the lay of the land. And you'll see for yourself because everything else when you're on the other side, it's all theoretical and you're, you're just getting secondhand information and what might be good for the, you know, Jacob family that used to live down the street from you may not be good for you over here. Um, and, and it's so great that there are so many choices. You don't have to settle. You know, it's, it's funny. You, you said, don't look back, don't compare your lifestyle. The lifestyle here is so much better. It's mm-hmm. not about how many cars or how many square meters right. your house is. It's right. not like that. It's, it's very different. Um, it, 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 you know, I live in a yeshuv. It's a pretty big yeshuv. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's in, you know, Yehuda and Shomron. And people think it's dangerous and people think it's scary. But once they're here, they're like, wow, this is not, not what I thought it would be like at all. This right. is amazing. Right. right. So you have, and they just can't believe you can. You can leave your door unlocked. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, our kids, we also live in Yishuv. I mean, name is a bigger issue, perhaps, over it. But, you know, we have four kids from the age of 18 down to the age of nine. And, you know, they'll go out at night. And my nine-year-old daughter can come home. And it's, you know, nine o'clock at night. And I'm okay with that. And it's that right. independence that, yeah. that people have. And, look, we, we lived in New Jersey in, in an in a amazing community. And we were very happy. But it's just... I don't even say it's better or worse. I just say it's different. There's a special magic to it. There's an extra dimension to living in Israel. There's a connection to the land. There's a connection to the people. And what I what I talk about is if you compare 
uh, יום הזיכרון to Memorial Day או יום העצמאות to 4th of July, it's night and day, you know, you don't have to know yeah. somebody, God forbid, who has died in a war or somebody, you know, you just, from a young age, kids are, are taught and, and they feel this and that, that's why I think for families, for singles, for, you know, for, for, for uh, all the people, there's that extra dimension to living in Israel that just, you know, until you experience it, it's hard to, hard to understand, but it's just there's something special about living here and we see it people literally are coming back to Israel from around the world and it's just an amazing time to to be living in Israel it is it is overwhelming last week it's just overwhelming it, it, it takes over your life absolutely you're right you know we're all in I'm an Ola you know um, none of my uncles or father none, none of my family lived in Israel or in any of the Israeli wars but you feel a connection at You know, if you know these people lighting the candles, you, you know them. These are your neighbors. Right. Um, no matter how long or short a time you're here, you really do get invested. And it's um, it's really just, yeah, the words just can't really describe it. It's, it, it's just unbelievable. It's so different. It's so different. Um, it's so it's so either it's very low and very high. And it's not about the commercialism. None of that is present here. It's so meaningful. Right. Uh, right, just, right. Um, and, and, you know, look, we both lived in Israel in the you know, 80s and the 90s, and Israel has changed a lot. It's much more of a first world nation where you can have everything. You know, people order from Amazon and you can get your stuff in, you know, and so it's not like you have to necessarily leave that uh, behind, but you really have that plus you have more. And I think what, what one of the things, one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have is that they think that once they make Aliyah, It's like signing a contract with the government that you have to stay here. And what a lot of people are doing is they're making their home in Israel, but they're going back and forth, whether it's because they still have family in the States or maybe they still have a business. So maybe, you know, whatever the case may be, you don't have to choose either or. I think in the past it was either or. Either you live in Israel or you stay where you are. Now, for many people, it can be both. And that's amazing. And I think what we see more and more people doing is that they're buying a home in Israel and they're kind of planting their flag and they're saying, okay, well, this is going to be where I live. Either it's because they're concerned about what's going on politically around the world and, you know, and they want to be able to have a, a safe place here or because they say you know what maybe the timing isn't right for me now but I want to have a home and over the next three five ten years I'll come and visit you know once a year twice a year I'll have my house and that's something that I think more and more people are considering and that's one of the decisions that people come to us you know way before they they make hell eyes and say I want to dip my toe in the water I want to have a home And I want to come and visit. And then as things change, you know, please, God, maybe down the road, I'll move full time. But that's one area, especially when it comes to buying a home in Israel, that we really have focused on now is that, um, you know, it's, it's something that um, is challenging to do from afar. And we guide people through that process as well. So in the same way as we guide people through the Aliyah process, for people who aren't ready yet to make Aliyah but want to buy a home, That's where we come in, and, and it's just, um, you know, we, we want to do whatever we can to help people connect to Israel in whatever way, you know, that is suitable for them. Very good. That's, that's very good to know, and it is true. I know people that actually say they've made Aliyah, and they have to be here, I think, 162 days. Um, 183 days, yeah. Okay, right. So, you know, so they do the they'll do Sukkot here, they'll right. do uh, Rosh Hashanah here, and uh, Pesach, and they, like, spread it out. Because, yeah, they have family and it's a slow aliyah. Maybe these people are older and they haven't, uh, you know, they don't speak Hebrew. They're older. They, their kids are still abroad. But, hey, 
whatever gets you here, however, whatever your pace is, everyone's pace is different. I just want to say the Hebrew is something that you can do also before you get here. And I, mm -hmm. I really do also urge that. I know there are people who come here, they don't speak any Hebrew. They don't think it matters because they get by. And it's okay to get by. It's true. It's, it's not It's not easy. But familiarize yourself, people. I mean, mm -hmm. let's 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 give yourself a challenge. Make it fun. Listen to commercials. Listen to music. Listen to um, some programs, TV shows. Listen, listen to Hebrew. Get it familiar on your ears, so right. that so that you're not such a, a fish out of water. So you're not mm -hmm. so foreign. It, it 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 will make everything just a lot easier, a lot more pleasant for you. I agree completely. Agree with you. Um. And I think that's it. So I'd like you, um, Rafi, could you leave your, uh, maybe your contact, your, your website here so people can reach out to you um, on their own? Absolutely. So our website is www.olimadvisors.com. And I really want to encourage everybody to just reach out to us. Um, you know, if you have a simple question, a complicated question, you know, we can talk to you. We can answer your questions, like I mentioned. You know, there's so much free information that we can share with people. And then if you need more help than that, we can always look into that. But just know that, you know, we're a place that you can go to for information. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to help you any way that you can. So thanks again, Natalie. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure talking to you about this. And uh, I look forward yeah. to helping people make Aliyah in the future. Wonderful. That's www.olimadvisors.com. Again, you can, you know, also ask me and I'll pass your questions on. Natalie at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You can email me your questions. I'll pass them on to Rafi. I'll answer them myself as well. Um, there is a lot of information out there. It can get confusing, but this is a, a, the, you know, come to me and we'll get your answers, your questions answered and get you on your way. Thank you, Rafi. Everyone, thank you for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Bye-bye.